You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Hey everybody, it is Andrew Lowen with another awesome episode of Crowdfunding Nerds here. I am joined as always by uh, sexy, somewhere in Ireland, possibly Sean, and Rick. Thanks. Rick. <laughs> I feel so special. <laughs> the man formerly, the man, the man currently known as Rick. Yeah, we actually said where Sean was, but uh, apparently we got that blocked and we're not allowed to say specifically where yeah, where in Ireland he's at. He's singer. somewhere in Ireland between the top and the bottom of it, but it's not that big. So, I mean, you could probably find him anyway. Yeah. Someone named I'm in the Sean in Ireland. Just look for the sexiest man that's under five foot tall in Ireland. I don't, I don't know how tall he is. Aren't they all, all under five I'm just, foot I'm tall? making up like a, Let's get into our topic at hand because it's an interesting one. I am 48 hours, well, I guess 50, some some odd number less than seven days into my Kickstarter campaign. And yeah, we're having a lot of fun. Normally in these episodes, we let Andrew uh, talk about himself and just keep going. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I know some of you just get sick of that. So today we're going to be asking him questions because there's a <laughs> lot going on in this campaign. This is really interesting because this is also Andrew's first kickstarter campaign even though our company actually does kickstarter marketing so we got some interesting point of views for andrew that we're going to uh, go over with today and i got a lot of crazy questions and he's probably got a lot of personal insights so let's just start off with how do you feel right now andrew uh so we're on day three um looks like you're almost you're just shy of 170,000. you'll be 170,000 probably in a few minutes dollars raised yeah i mean i feel awesome it it outperformed my expectations. It fast exceeded my expectations. I was watching. Um, so I went live on Facebook and I went live in discord during the launch of our campaign. And I spent about two hours just like spending, you know, talking about stuff and answering questions and other things like that from people. And we funded in eight minutes. I, I watched the campaign go like before I was even able to look we had raised $15,000. And then by the time I actually loaded the page, we were close to $30,000 funded or raised. And then it was the eighth minute that we crossed 39,000. And um, we went to, gosh, when did it finally started, start to slow down a little bit, right around 80 to a hundred thousand dollars, maybe it was 120,000. By the time it started to slow a little bit, it just rocket shipped. And I was, I was just not prepared for how how successful it would be. I uh, came up with these pledges. I had this idea that we have some people who really wanted to support the campaign and also wanted to, you know, get these really awesome rewards. They were uh, so I called them the Angel Investor Pledge and the Archangel Investor Pledge. Angel Investor was basically seven hundred fifty dollars, and you got custom painted minis, and in addition to like the all in stuff. And then the Archangel Pledge, you got custom painted minis, you got a signed prototype and a signed original art piece by uh, Dan Maynard, who's the artist. And those were gone by the end of the day, like all all of them are gone. And then I actually increased the Angel Investor Pledge. Um, I've increased it now four times. There are 26 out of 30 backers right now for the Angel Investor Pledge, which just shocked me and that rocketed us up a lot faster than i expected so 
that was that and was the angel investor pledge also includes a prototype so basically the people who get that get the game straight away just after the kickstarter yep that's right so yeah that, that archangel investor so i'm i may actually increase that number a little bit just depending on the number of functional prototypes i get after the reviewing is is kind of all said and done i didn't want to increase it until i knew uh, because printing those prototypes that would that would pretty much immediately kill the margin in that in that pledge level if yeah. I had to print more prototypes in order to fulfill it. So yeah, it's uh it is was very cool. Your funding goal was thirty nine thousand dollars. Where did you come up with that number? So with our manufacturer, I looked at a thousand units was the minimum number that we had to print. At a thousand units, it was roughly twenty eight dollars per game. For those of you that are not familiar, you're going to need to multiply that number by probably five and a half in order to get a number that you could actually sell at retail. And so that would be, I mean, obviously very unpalatable. Basically, I mean, you know, 28, if you multiply 28 by uh, 5.5, that's $154 per game. And people aren't going to be willing to pay $154 a game um, for a game that should probably cost, you know, $60, right? And so that was the the base pledge. I would be able to fulfill the game for that pledge. So it was $39,000 because we had mold costs uh, for miniature sculpts. We had the uh, the minimum order quantity that they needed to order. And we had a buffer, a margin for um, for our games. But we were we would lose money if we only raised 39000 However, it was a risk that I was willing to take. So the the actual break even point for deliverance was about a hundred thousand dollars um so if like i said if we only raised thirty nine thousand dollars we would have printed it but to see it crack one hundred thousand dollars in the first day it just validated the well i guess the hypothesis that i made that i was willing to stake my future on was that people wanted this game and it was really great to see that validated now, when you say break even, does that include the art or was that just break even the game produced? You know, if you include all of the art, it'd be even a little bit higher than that. But um, I would say there's, you know, with art, you have to sink a little bit of money in order to figure out all the things you need to figure out. And I, when I say art, I also include graphic design in that. So we had to figure out our card frames. We had to make sure that they worked. You know, we did a lot of playtesting and changed things and that kind of thing. And then we also, um, earlier iterations of the art, we enhanced and that kind of thing. So um, some art we ended up not using, uh, like for the map tiles. And so that type of stuff, I, I guess I don't really count in in these in the numbers. But it, yeah, it was basically to reimburse our art costs to pay. Very importantly, we wanted to do friendly shipping. So in order to get into a region, we needed to pay for a container and then we needed to pay the entry cost, uh, the customs fees. And so all of that was kind of factored in. But but yeah, so now that it's well past that, we're going to be able to actually fulfill this thing across the world. So feels and, and we're going to be able to do it profitably, which feels good. Now, this this Kickstarter wasn't just like a slap it up and then click the go button and off to the races. How many for those who have who don't know how much time, how many years have you invested in this before you hit the, the launch campaign button? I put five years into this. 
It's actually five years and eight days. Five whole <laughs> I years. I think two of those years, I was like, just get it going. How much prep do you think uh, someone should, like, would you, would, would you recommend to someone if they are starting a game, how much prep time should you should they have for, for you know, pre-marketing and, and developing the game? What would be like a, a an average time frame before launch? For most of our clients, actually, they, they you know, uh, make their games. They have oftentimes most of their art done or a lot of their art done. And then they come to us and like, all right, we're ready to go to Kickstarter. And they, they, when they say they're ready to go to Kickstarter, it's like, all right, we're ready next month to go to Kickstarter or this month or whatever. And I always recommend two months for like, basically for Facebook marketing for the, for the way that we do it, our, our vitreous cycle system and, and everything that we need to set up. Um, that usually takes, from the time that that system is finished and ready to go, you know, we have a landing page, they have emails and whatnot, all planned out. We need two months. I started the actual, uh, the deliverance marketing hustle in March or yeah, March. So it was March, April and May. And then we launched in June. And when I, when we started in March, it was like 20 bucks a day. And then we ramped up to like $60 a day in April. And then I intended to go 60 a day in May and ended up bumping it to like 100 because I wanted to test things and see what worked and that kind of thing. And then now on our Kickstarter, we started, we hit $250 on our launch day. It was actually $150 in, in actual spend, right? And then the rest we got in on the, the, you know, the day after that. And then 100 bucks a day during mid-campaign is what we're kind of working with now. You know, the thing is, Deliverance is, is not a normal project. We put in so much effort before that. So before we spent any marketing dollars, we had, um, actually, before let's just say before the month of March, we had about 2,500 people on our email list, maybe like 2,300. And that was built almost entirely through organic advertising, just contributing in Facebook groups, going to conventions and demoing the game at my local game store and other other things like that. We did spend $600 one time uh, just over a year ago when coronavirus hit, everyone canceled their Kickstarter campaigns and I found that advertising was really inexpensive. So we just like punched it with $600 and ended up earning about uh, one person per dollar on onto our email list. So that was kind of cool. So we added like 600, maybe 650 people during that the month of April. And then um, we did uh, uh, like $21 of advertising before that, like just to, I boosted a post for $21 one time, but everything was entirely organic. And that's really what I think separates deliverance as a first time project. One of the things, you know, that I think would be like, if you wanted to replicate the, the successful formula that, that we've, that we've shown with this project, you need to find a way to build a community and get them to share your stuff hmm. and get excited about your project and build organically. There's no amount of money that you can pay that will outperform rapidly excited fans you know, per, per dollar. So Andrew, what was the open rate of that? You know, we're live, uh, go to Kickstarter now email. What was the open rate for that launch email? Let's see 40, roughly 4,296 people on our email list right now after the, the launch. So we, we added close, close to 2000 people in, in, you know, from March to May and then, um, or I guess March to like beginning of June, the deliverance is live on Kickstarter. got a 33 point, 3% open rate. It got a 15.8% click-through rate. 
Now, I didn't send it to all 40, whatever, 4,300 people. I sent it to a group of those people that were engaged. So if I'm um, looking at the, uh, the email, it was sent to anybody who had ever opened a campaign that I had sent out, anybody that was added to the email list in the last 100 days, and anybody that had Oh, I guess that's that's pretty much the two things. But it wasn't the only email that we sent. We had about 1,200 people open it, 565 people clicked. That was a, a, a huge source of backers. You know, we had a bunch of backers from that. So will you send another email out to the people who haven't seen that email or to encourage them to, you know, back? Yeah. So actually, you know, our strategy just in general, what we always tell our clients to do is it's, and by the way, it's funny because here I am working, you know, we have our clients that actually pay us. And then here I am working on this project, like trying hard and trying not to miss deadlines and things like that. And um, so I sent out like the, the May newsletter was kind of the last, you know, newsletter before the Kickstarter launch. So that was sent on like the 29th of May. Then um, I resend our emails once. So I resent that on June 2nd. So that's like three days later um, to the people who had not opened, who had, who had received it, but not opened it. Then Monday, June 7th, which is the day before our Kickstarter launch, I sent out a 24 hour reminder. This is a really important, I think a really underutilized um, asset. So many people are afraid to, to email people email their list too often. I sent out a 24 hour reminder email and that actually had a higher open rate than my live on Kickstarter email. So, which is 33.9%, uh, 12, 1204 opens. It had a 13.1% click through rate, uh, 465 people actually clicked and they all went to the preview page. So I had the May email that I sent out that all together, if I, if I add all the numbers for May, we had right around 1,500 people with the uh, resends open the, the May email. So 1,500 people roughly got the um, Kickstarter uh, link, the, I'm sorry, the uh, landing page that's like, here's how many followers you have. Press this green button to follow and that's all you get to see. So we did that and then we sent an email out to everyone to look at the preview page 24 hours before the campaign launched. This is so part of my strategy was I wanted everybody to know what it is that they well I guess I wanted everyone to um to know exactly what to expect during the launch of Kickstarter. I didn't want anybody to be like, you know, I'm so excited about this whoa, the price is $89. You know, I did not want that to happen. So I wanted everybody to know what, you know, the deluxe edition is $89. It comes with all the stuff and, you know, all ends 149 And, you know, don't be surprised because um, I'm telling you now so that you get to know. And a lot of people appreciated, not only did they appreciate knowing what the prices were, but I told them the prices like a month ago so that people would be prepared, not just via my email list, but very importantly, my Facebook community. And a lot of people were like, all right, I'm saving money so that I can be ready for when that happens, you know? So we, I think that's one of the reasons why our conversion was so high. I looked at um, our project follower count. You get to see the number of followers and the number of people who converted um, after you launch your campaign. And the highest number I've ever seen is 23%. And that was for Ascension Tactics, really, really big you know, franchise in the board gaming industry. 
Ascension's been around for, I mean, 10 years, over 10 years. Um, and they had a 23% conversion rate and they crushed it. Our campaign actually had a 21% conversion rate, which was on day one, which was quite high in my experience. That's, I think, one of the highest conversion rates we've had. And I would attribute it to just simply people knowing, number one, people being very excited about the project. Number two, knowing what to expect so that nothing was a surprise to them when they hit the Kickstarter page, you know? So how have your family reacted to your Kickstarter? Have they become more involved? Um, I suppose because this has been five years in the making and now the proof is in the pudding, right? They probably don't think, oh, Andrew isn't as crazy as we thought he was. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because... So there are a couple of different family members that that really stand out. But the first one is my wife. So my wife has been the, you know, always been an advocate and encourager of of this project. You know, she's done everything she possibly could to to make it happen. She, you know, and just and just make, you know, convention trips and the late nights I've needed to spend and all of that. She's been really supportive. And also, very importantly, she's our artistic she's really the art director, you know, things that I think are cool. She'll say, no, 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 that's not, that's not good. That's not good like that. And she's right. You know, and I just have really appreciated that her eyes glaze over when it's like, when I talk about manufacturing or when I talk about like, okay, here's how we get VAT friendly, you know, or, uh, you know, whatever region friendly shipping. And she's just like, I don't even know what it is you're talking about right now. You're speaking in a language I don't understand. And when our Kickstarter campaign launched, there were there was so much, I'll say so much more work to do than I expected. Partially because of the success of the campaign, we had like over 400 comments on the first day, which was just crazy. I mean, no way could I respond to all that. I learned within two hours, I, I had been on Facebook Live and Discord talking to people and not responding to comments in, in Kickstarter. And then I see like 100 40 comments by the time I get there. It's like, oh my goodness. You know, I wanted to respond to all of them, but there's just no way. So my wife comes in as a collaborator and she just shreds it. She literally responded to every single person. Anytime that she had a question, she would ask me, she would yell upstairs, which is in my office is kind of in this upstairs hallway of our home. And she would yell upstairs and say, Andrew, what about this or, or that, you know, is shipping, you know, friendly to this region or, you know, and she just, really stepped up her game and and really allowed us as a company to showcase excellent customer service. So we have uh, Ryan Williams, you know, who was on this podcast when I got kidnapped. Uh, Ryan <laughs> is doing, <laughs> he's doing customer service stuff and uh, Christy is doing customer service and she's just um, really, really my right hand in this process. It's very cool. If any of you see Christy in the comments, just tell her, how much you appreciate her because she's really going to meet. She's one of the reasons that this project is going to be going to go so smoothly, you know? Yeah. Some other family members, I guess, finally saw, like you said, that I wasn't crazy. You know, a lot of people didn't know a whole lot other than I talked about this board game all the time, <laughs> but now it's like the proof is in the pudding. You know, it's like, I, it's the most money I've made in a 24 hour period in my entire life. You know, it's like more money than I've ever made in an entire year by myself. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, maybe our company revenue is higher, but that's like split into so many things. The pie is like tiny. And by the time it gets to me, it's way less than, 
you know, what we raised on day one. Speaking of day one, let's talk about your launch. It was is a bright and early morning day for us on the West Coast. It was a little bit towards the uh, almost the afternoon on the East Coast and all over the place, depending on what time zone you were in. The launch was at eight o'clock on uh, Pacific Daylight. In fact, you had a couple launch parties going. Um, I, I woke up to a, a Facebook Live and then you were also saying you had something go on Discord. What was going on right before that launch? So I woke up at, you know, seven o'clock and was like, all right, first of all, I couldn't get to sleep until like two in the morning. It was really hard. It was just like, um, you know, in the United States, Christmas, Christmas night when you were a kid, you know, if, if you had those, those memories, it was so hard to sleep. You know, if you wanted to be good and go to bed, you would just lay in bed with your eyes open or even your eyes closed, just trying to go to sleep and thinking about all the things that you couldn't wait to do. That was, that was me on the eve of launch day. So I got, you know, four or five hours of sleep and woke up and was like, all right, let's do this. You know, and I washed my face and, you know, did all the morning things and just felt like, all right, you know, and, and I, I actually didn't publicize that I was going to live stream until the morning, like maybe 730 in the morning. So like, I'm going to go live here at like 745 so that, you know, I can live stream the launch. And if you all want to join me, I'll be on discord and then I'll be in Facebook live. And then everybody just jumped on that. We had like, you know, 50 people in discord and we had at, at any given time, there were like 30 to 30 to 40 people watching 30 to maybe 25 to 50 people watching on Facebook live at any given time. And so I just went on and talked and it was, and people just showed up. They were all excited. And I was, uh, you know, I got to answer questions and, and talk to people and just fans were really excited. And they were all just saying, you know, pre congratulations before it goes live. And, it was it was really a memorable moment. And actually, it'll be something that, you know, it's tough because you run the risk, you know, if you have a small like a, a small audience that you, you're not sure if they're excited or not, you know, it's you run the risk of having like, you know, one person watch you and it's your mom, you know, for your Facebook live and all that. But I, I really think that it's worth it. I'm going to rec- I'm going to start recommending that to clients. It's like when you go live, make sure that you're on Facebook live and in a disc and in your discord, like in engaging with your community that you built. Um, and let's, let's do this. You know, it, it would be weird if, you know, and again, it's a risk. You run the risk of like, what if you don't fund very well? You know, what if you're disappointed by the results, you know, and that, you know, people will see that on your face when you're alive. Right. And so, you know, it is a risk, but I was, I was just, you know, I guess I, I, purposed in my heart. I didn't know what results we would get. I thought we'd fund and everything, but you know, it was just, it was fun to have that memory that I'll get to look back on. It's a live video that I'll get to look back on. And on top of that, I think it, I think it sort of caused a a little uh, pandemonium because you had people fighting over who was going to be the first backer of your, of, of deliverance. I remember people like I'm refreshing, I'm refreshing, I'm refreshing. And then like, you know, Oh man, I got, I only got, I only got number eight. I didn't get who got number one, who got number one. And of course people are just going crazy over this. It reminded me of like getting a boarding pass at Disneyland. You know, those boarding passes, you know, for those special rides, like they go like in like three seconds. So you have to be like, make sure you're right yeah. on you time. Number you eight? What, what, what? Did you get number eight? I did not get number eight. Someone got number eight. <laughs> <laughs> but you beat me. No. 
no. <laughs> Sean, tell them about your experience. What 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 you were doing? I was like the early dog because it's like it was like two o'clock my time, so there's no problem for me. I was wide awake. I'd been at the preview page, so I knew exactly how far to scroll down to hit that um the all in pledge that I wanted to get. As soon as it went live, I went to the page, scroll down, hit the button, and because I think my internet's a little bit slow, so it's kind of loading. It's like hurry up, and it's like congratulations, you're like <laughs> pledge number ten. It's like ah. Oh! <laughs> so what I imagine is like we all did it around the same time, and like the milliseconds really just made the difference there. So dodgy Wi-Fi. I should have used Ethernet or something. Plug myself in. I don't know. It's just, I, I think the first 50 pledges came in immediately. What I did was on Discord. So it, it actually reminded me of the first time I ever tried to buy tickets for BlizzCon. It was the first BlizzCon that they ever had. And um, that's actually pretty close to my house. It's in Anaheim, which is maybe, let's say, two hours north of where I live in San Diego. And, uh, you know, with traffic and all that. So it was myself and then three of my buddies. And one of us had to buy four tickets. So we were all on like voice chat together and refreshing and refreshing. And we were all ready. We knew what to do. We knew like everybody's going to get caught because they might've made an account here, but they didn't add their credit card information yet and all that. So we had done absolutely everything that we possibly could in order to make sure we had an account. And I just remember as soon we were refreshing every two seconds and or one second. And, and, and as soon as we saw the button light up, we all just pressed the button and then punched in what we needed and then hit the next screen. And then the loading wheel of doom just began. The whole site crashed. Right. And um, my, one of my buddies actually got through and got the tickets. It was, cool. um, it was just an incredible experience and all, but I, it was crazy that deliverance was the cause of, of a mini version of that. Let's talk about the stuff that uh, <laughs> you, you, you thought didn't go right. And things like, you know, let, let's just talk about that. Let's let, what didn't go well, Andrew. Sure. So, um, first thing is, you know, I developed pretty thick skin from a lot. You know, everybody. It just it's funny because somebody brought this up uh, earlier today that there's another game with the subtitle of Deliverance. It's called. It's actually Ascension Deliverance. And he's like, I've never heard of the reference to the banjo movie. You know, with that game, but. I have a lot with this one and it's, you know, I just like, yeah, I think that people are just, you know, they're, they're just trying to be turkeys. They're not really like being extremely malicious, like, you know, die in a fire banjo, you know, joke. It's just like, they're being, you know, one step above silly. They're kind of being trollish, but it's not really bad, you know? So over the years, it's helped me develop some thicker skin for, for just, trolls and criticism in addition to of course my my gamer days where everyone trolls but when we launched we had uh some trolls like highly dedicated trolls that are you know still up to their typical antics however uh i think a couple of them got tired of you because i was looking today at the comments and they they, they haven't re responded yet so either they're they had to take a long nap after all their trolling and or they're just they sort of got tired of you but uh, yeah, keep keep yeah. talking. Uh, um, what what kind of tactics do you use when you when you get a troll like that? So it's funny because I um as a as a person I I want to respond in one way, but as a company representing a company and the game itself, I know that if I respond to the troll himself, that I will lose the. So really, it's not about responding to the troll. It's all about talking to the other people that are that are watching the conversation. 
So they're, they're not necessarily going to talk or let you know that they're there, but they are going to judge you based off of how you handle this troll and what, what you say to them. So I keep all of my conversation in mind with, um, you know, with that in mind. Um, there's a, <laughs> the cheeps. Nacho, where are the cheeps? Are you like wrapping a present? Are you eating chocolate? <laughs> or it's like chips or something. <laughs> it's really distracting. <laughs> oh, is that me? That's hilarious. Yeah, I think you got. Do I have the wrong one? That was so on? funny. I was hungry and I had it on mute. It's it's on mute on my mic. Let, so... me, let me see what mic am I That was so funny. <laughs> that was so fun. <laughs> So the thing is not not to feed the trolls, right? Because yeah, you're, you're literally trolling <laughs> while we're talking about trolls. <laughs> that was so funny. That was that was a really good troll. Like if you meant to do that and you're just playing coy, that was uh, really well played. Very. We got Rick rolled. <laughs> no. Got rolled by Rick. Rick rolled. Web cameras should not come with microphones. <laughs> I know. So um, what I didn't really expect, I was this. I, my mom got trolled and my mom started trolling other people. You know, it was, it was uh, really weird. Did not prepare for that or expect that. And now my, um, my company name is Lowen games, uh, my publisher company. And my mother has the last name uh, uh, Lowen. And so it's one of those things that she was representing my company unintentionally. So what happened was somebody started to uh, be a real Turkey Somebody named um, don't don't name him because you're just that's just gonna feel him. That's gonna give him what they want. So he who he, he, he will not be named. Oh, you're right. Oh my goodness. So some guy he we'll call him he who shall not be named started to troll my mom, and my mom just kind of fed into it right away. And if you feed trolls, they tend to grow and get more powerful, and they get more hungry. What was weird. Was this guy was just like your you know he would send me private messages saying like your mom's being stupid you know and like and it's just like dude whose side do you think I'm gonna take yours or or like the mother who who birthed me you know and but he just didn't get it and I was like all right I need to be emotionally intelligent here I can't just pop off on this guy and be like well I'm banning you from this page and whatever so the first thing I did was I called my mom on the phone and was like mom. The, you don't understand the way trolls work. Let me let me teach you. And I basically mansplained uh, what trolls were and how. And she was like, "Oh, okay. You know, I, I'm gonna stop responding to that guy." And she actually went a step beyond. I was really proud of her. She apologized. She said, oh, "I'm sorry. I didn't mean to like offend you or you know whatever." And then what did the troll do? The troll said, that's not acceptable. I do not accept your apology and you deserve, or you need to do this and that. It's not a real apology because blah, blah. And it was, it was like, okay, what we're going to do, the strategy is to ignore this person. And I told my mom, mom, if they send you a private message, do not, do not respond to them. I guarantee you, they will immediately screenshot your conversation and post it everywhere for the world to see. So it's your private message is never private. And by the way, that's a lesson for everybody out there that you can easily just, you know, a private message can be 
post on board game geek it can be post on fa- a facebook group it can be post anywhere that's why they call dms because it's yeah. not a direct message it's not a private message exactly Mind blown. i thought dms were dungeon masters it's funny because I'm 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 old school, so I'm used to PMs, you know, private messages, which you use like. Yeah, like this is end to end encrypted. There's no such thing as private in this world anymore. Yes, at least not in America. But yeah, so whenever I heard everyone kept saying DM me, DM me, and I'm like, you want to be a dungeon master? I, I was confused. Yeah. For a while. yeah, I mean that's what you used to do in like World of Warcraft. It wasn't like too long ago that it was really I think Twitter started the DM. Hey, whisper me, <laughs> whisper. <sighs> what other challenges and obstacles have you faced in these first 48 hours on Kickstarter? Well, the first thing is that we had a really fantastic day one. And on day two, I uh, was invited. So actually, I was invited a couple of weeks ago to join the Babylon Bee for their weekly podcast. They do uh, like a video podcast, an audio podcast, and it gets 30,000 downloads an episode. And then, you know, a bunch of video views and stuff like that. And it was specifically to talk about deliverance. And I'm like, I don't care what podcast it is. If you get 30,000 views, I'm, I'll be there. All of Wednesday, uh, so the day after launch, we, um, I was out. Uh, so I did morning stuff. I tried to set my wife up for success, who was going to update our Kickstarter page with stretch goals. Stretch goals were going to be knocked down and, and everything. And, um, she, you know, it was like, all right, this is this is going to be great. I gave her all of the images that she needs in order, like the stretch goal with the locked icon, the stretch goal with the unlocked icon, new stretch goals to add, so on and so forth. And I, I was like, all right, she's fully prepared. Well, after I left, this is like probably about ten in the morning, maybe maybe nine thirty in the morning. I had to leave, and um, she we spent the entire time. I was I had to drive up north like two hours to um like basically somewhere in north riverside county it's or it's like an hour and a half and um they uh and that the entire time i was on the phone with my wife teaching her photoshop <laughs> it was like it was rough it's like all right you got this and like as i was as i finally found the um uh the place i i parked and she was like oh okay i think i have all the things I'm like perfect timing you know and so we ended up you know separating and she was like at the helm of, you know, doing all the things. And she actually ended up enlisting Ryan's help. I gave Ryan an invite and it was the wrong email. So she communicated with Ryan, gave him the right email or the invite to the right email and fixed all the things on her own. And it was, it was at first, I was very impressed, very impressed by her ability to like solve problems and get stuff done. But that was, that was a something that I just didn't plan for. Uh, very well and i finally got back at like 6 30 you know in the in the evening and was just on the computer like crazy she was responding to comments and that you know so she kind of saved the day so talking about the babylon b for those who don't know that's a christian satire site so they do lots of stuff on politics and religion and they try to poke fun at everything and they did a, a promotional post for deliverance and it has done quite well yep. and it's very interesting because the babylon b has a huge social network following so this is actually something that we're leveraging and this is something that you need to think about with your kickstarter is if you get a big player to share your content you you need to capitalize on that as much as you can mm-hmm. because we're seeing about a 30 percent conversion rate from their ad to the kickstarter page which is phenomenal and it also means that we can target people who are outside of the board gaming space. We can target people who are in the 
Christian satire yep. space. So it's, it's opened up a whole new demographic of people. And there's so much social proof there because you have a big name behind it. So we're actually running an ad you know, using the article that they wrote for us. And it's also helping to keep that article on their trending list on their main site. So if you go to their main site, see what's trending, our ad essentially is trending at number two currently on their entire website. And they've got a huge following. Yeah. So it's like 4 million users um, a month. Yeah, it's, it's insane. They, they get loads of comments as well. Uh, so a very engaged community. So if you if your game ever gets picked up by you know a big player, just ride it as long, <laughs> as long and as hard as you can because that's something that we're doing and it's something we're going to continue to do in this campaign. In fact, most of our ad budget currently is pointing to that article. Yep. So one of the really, really important things that we... We always try to encourage people to do is figure out who your target market is. What are they? What do they like? And you know, board gamers that that are Christians, they tend. I mean, they love memes. They love like you know stuff like that. And a Christian satire site, which is basically a meme site. Yeah, it's like a meme site. It, basically, I thought that that would be a good potential fit, and I found out that you could advertise. So I actually pitched a. Uh, the, the editor-in-chief, you know, chatting and he was, you know, we ended up actually, he played the game a couple of times. He loved it, gave a quote for it. And then I'm like, well, I have an endorsement from the editor-in-chief of this magazine. I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. And so we invested, we actually went over budget a little bit and invested into uh, the Babylon Bee and all the things. So we, we got a sponsored article, like you said, we got, we had an email blast that was sent out. We have um, podcast reads that are going to happen, which um, would be like 60 second endorsements or 60 second ad, ad rolls, you know, that, that will happen throughout the campaign. And then a newsletter inclusion and then another e-blast 48 hours before the end of our campaign. So it was like we, we put a significant effort to not only, oh, and then I did a, a full podcast, which is for their most dedicated subscribers, which was a real honor. That didn't cost me anything. It was just a, um, uh, a treat to be able to um to to do that so it's just the subject matter really interested them and so it was a really good fit the editor-in-chief was like the perfect target market he was like all in you know in the campaign before i even showed up at the office he had backed the the campaign you know and so it was one of those things that we made a uh, uh we we kind of felt like the target market for this game was there so let's advertise there and we felt like that was going to be more effective than putting that money into Facebook ads and um, that it was worth it to go over budget a little bit because we would uh, be we would receive rewards later. Our goal is to penetrate the audience of that by not just sending them one email blast or one podcast thing, but we have like seven different like initiatives that we're making over the course of the month to to get deep into the minds of the of that of those users and um it has absolutely paid dividends so another another advertising platform you use is kicktrack and that's actually performing quite well so you want to talk a little bit about that yeah so kicktrack is a website that a lot of people will use to look at what's hot and trending on kickstarter uh, it's kicktrack uh t-r-a-q so i got a site skin which looks really cool Actually, uh, and then in addition to that, we have what we call uh, the what they call the general rotation. So the ad that is kind of at the top of the the website uh, is like a general rotation, which will you'll have other board games there. And then I believe there's like a homepage 
takeover like there's a um an ad like on the homepage that gets the most views right next to their um uh top 10 list and that's that's going to be big yeah so it, it was something that was not very expensive i mean a general rotation is like 140 dollars for 14 days the uh homepage takeover i i can't remember what the numbers are right now but like all in all with all the things we did with kick track it was like 700 dollars. so when you when you have you know all these different platforms board game geek backer kit kick track babylon b you're using a individual referral link correct for every single one of these different platforms yeah so we want to know how they're performing so we look at uh well there are two types of referral links one is a referral link that you can generate from kickstarter.com and um depending on how that link is um well i guess depending on where you place the link sometimes kickstarter will take credit for some of those things other times and you know again it's just my gut feeling not necessarily something that i can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt i know we've covered that on earlier podcasts uh you know like the percentage that kickstarter says they made for you versus the percentage that's actually you know comes in uh which by the way deliverance uh kickstarter says 50 roughly 58 percent of the uh pledges that we have right now kickstarter is crediting to itself and you know from just from our (laughs) i know from from our understanding though it's actually more like percent yeah well it's you know i mean there are a bunch of people who found the games through advanced discovery tabletop games discover recommendations um other things like that and you know other things that are completely our credit like for example the push notification um that's kickstarter's system so that the functionality allows us to to you know store it's a bank that we can store people so i'm not saying that kickstarter is useless it's far from it it definitely is better than GameFound right now as far as the um the amount of traffic that it can bring to your site and whatnot and it's really helping but yeah it's it's definitely not brought in 60 percent of what it is that we've done you know probably like 30 percent maybe when it comes to all of those different you know platforms what's kickstarter sort of telling you it has moving the needle the most has it been the facebook ads has it been the babylon b article has it been the kick kick track what what's sort of bringing in the, the best return so uh the number one thing by far is the deliverance email and so there there are three uh so this whole concept behind the virtuous cycle that that whole concept is you build an email list you build a community and you kind of connect those so that people that are on your email list can cross over into your community and then vice versa the people in your community can join your email list and you're more likely to you know they're more likely to see stuff when it's you know when it comes time so by the time you launch your kickstarter they'll see your facebook post your discord announcement your email blast they'll see like the push notification from kickstarter and all sorts of you know their friends backing and whatever right so there's this like a huge amount of like coordination but the launch email has by far the most number or the greatest number of um of pledges and then um the project preview link which is actually also the launch email has a ton so and then our Facebook group and then uh, the Babylon BE blast is uh, and and uh, post is pretty popular. But yeah, it's it's very, very much a like the the core of that was the email and the community, the email list and the community that we built by far. 
All right, and that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. Um, we're going to have to send Andrew back on his way uh, to Kickstarter. Uh, he's got a lot to do this this week. Uh, well, this month, actually. Um, he's got. We're going to send him back so he can read those, those trolling comments. And uh, speaking of trolling, I would like to personally apologize in case this makes the cut. I uh, accidentally Which was trolling does. Andrew while he was talking about trolling <laughs> during the podcast. Uh, let me just quick with cheetos but let me let me just let me just quickly explain here so we use a an online software tool for recording these podcasts and when you we do that so that way when we have guests it's really easy we give them a link they get on they don't have to do anything it does it all on the website and when you connect it actually asks you what kind of microphone you want to use and what kind of uh video it actually has video uh what kind of camera you want to use so i always click on my my microphone i use for podcasting and now I wasn't the only one at fault. I mean, it wasn't just me having the problems because poor Sean, um, his, 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 his microphone's been like blaring the whole time. And no matter how many times he turned it up and down, it was like the same blaring volume. So what we found out was no matter what you put in those boxes, it's always going to default to what you have on your, on your Windows system, no matter what. So here I am, you know, enjoying what Andrew was saying about trolling. And I'm like, you know what? It's, it's midday. I need a snack. And so I politely turned off my microphone and started enjoying my lovely crunchy Cheetos. And apparently uh, my webcam has a mic and that was what it was defaulting to. So the whole time you could hear me crunching on Cheetos <laughs> while Andrew's talking about people who are, are trolls. And then all of a sudden Sean just starts laughing like crazy. And I'm like, what's going on? So it, it was very embarrassing. It was, it was my bad. That was extremely fun, though. I, I'm glad that happened. It was just super funny. Uh, if you'd like to listen to our other podcasts, visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com or on your favorite podcast player. We're everywhere. And uh, you got about two weeks left. If you haven't done so already, you have about two weeks to invest into Deliverance the Game on Kickstarter. My recommendation is go on to Kickstarter, get the deluxe game, enjoy it. Have fun. So that's all we got this week. We will see you all next week. And stay nerdy. See ya.